Well, good morning. It is so good to have you guys here. Uh, I know for many of us, we came in, it was raining outside, or maybe it was sprinkling a little bit, but it would have been a good morning uh, to just lay in the bed, wouldn't it? And just kind of enjoy ourselves and rest and relax with uh, hearing the rain outside and the weather and things going on. But you guys made a point to come out today, and I just want to say thank you. As I look across the room right now, I see a lot of people, and I felt this way when I walked in this morning. I just see a lot of people that we started this church with over eight years ago. See people that have been invested in the ministries and the mission of this church for eight years now. And I just want to look across this room and say thank you for all that you have done and continue to do to make sure that we are following Jesus in what we do in this church. Thank you. In this series, we're talking about the mission that God has designed specifically for this church. This is our identity. This is who God has called us to be in this community. We know the statistic, 90% of the people in Floyd County, Floyd Countyans don't attend church. That's nearly 31,500 people that likely don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a big deal. The question is, how do we plan to, how do we plan to lead the people in Floyd County or the people in this region and all around the world into thriving relationships with Jesus Christ? And thriving relationships with other believers. And so the mission, as I outlined in week one, the mission for us that God has called this particular group of people to is we exist. This church exists so that more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. That is our purpose. That is who we are. This is our identity. One of the ways that God has called us to reach the 90% of the people in Floyd County that don't attend church, is how we behave and the culture that we create. And here's the thing. Our behaviors are based on what we value, right? And I've kind of made the case for this for the past couple of weeks. Our behaviors are based upon what we value. And then our behaviors lead us to our idea of success. What we value leads us to a behavior which leads us to our idea of success, And we find our success in helping more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ, right? And so we value things that make us behave a particular way so that we lead us, it leads us to success. And last week we talked about two of those particular values. And let me outline those really quick. The first thing is in this church, we love differently. And I'm telling you, this thing has come up so many times over the past couple weeks. Um, We love differently. That means that we are a community of people who love all through our words, our actions, and our attitudes. We love differently. I had a lady um, that that started coming to the church here recently and her family, and she contacted me one day and she said, I've read your entire website. I've looked at every single page on your website. And I thought, oh man, she's probably not going to come to church here. Uh, Our website needs a little work right now, a little TLC. But anyway, so she said, I read your entire website. I saw something on one of your pages that said that you love differently. And I think my family and I really need that right now. And so they started attending our church. What an, amazing, what an amazing thing to celebrate. The second thing is that we grow. We're a community of people that are committed to growing individually and collectively. This is who we are. This is our identity. This is just what God has called us to. And today I'm going to go ahead and jump into three more values that really direct what we do and who we are and how we behave at this church. The third value is this. 
And this is no secret. If you've been a part of this church for the past six, eight months, you've heard me say this phrase many times. But the third thing I want to talk about is we live real. In this church, in this body of believers, we live real. That means that we're honest about who we are so that God can transform us. We're honest about who we are so that God can transform us. We're real people in this church. We openly admit... We openly admit that we don't have it all together. We don't have all the answers. Our struggle is real. We sin daily and we are in constant need of grace and mercy from our loving Savior. All of us, right? We value authenticity and realness because it helps us connect with more people and allows God to transform us. There's a purpose. We value those things because God won't bless who we pretend to be. God won't bless who we pretend to be. When we hide behind our masks and we present the false reality that, that we don't sin, we have it all together, we don't struggle, and therefore we can't possibly have anything in common with the 90% of people in Floyd County that don't currently attend church, right? If we, behind, if we hide behind that mask, we'll never be able to connect with those people. Social media makes this so difficult, right? Social media makes this so difficult, you only see what people want you to see. And therefore, when Taylor posts a picture on social media of our kids, and they're all sitting there, my, my son and my daughter are sitting there with smiles on their faces and grinning from ear to ear, and they're sitting so nice and polite right in front of Taylor and I, and they just look so great, and it looks like that we just have the perfect picturesque family, right? You don't realize that four arguments, three temp temper tantrums, and two promises to go to Walmart and buy toys happened right before that picture was taken, right? That's life. That's our life, at least, and I hope. Uh, I'm pretty sure that that's probably yours as well, but we don't want to talk about those things on social media because we only want to put out the best of us, right? We want to put our best foot forward on social media. And so that makes it really hard because when 90% of the people in Floyd County are, are, we're probably, we are likely connected to some of those 90%. They're looking at our, our Facebook profiles or our Instagram or our Twitter or our, you know, whatever these other, I'm dating myself. Oh my goodness. What are these other things the little kids are doing these days? You know, um, when you look at those things, you don't see those types of struggles, right? You don't talk about the arguments. You don't talk about the sin. You don't talk about the secrets. You don't talk about those things on social media. So it makes it very difficult for us to be who God has called us to be because the 90% only see this perfect picture of who we want them to, to see or think that we are. What about that person that's far from God? What about that person that's in the 90% that when they, they meet a Christian that has it all together, seems like they don't struggle, knows all the answers, and are living a fairy tale life, how do you think that person feels when they meet a Christian that has it all together? I would present to you today that they feel hopeless. Hopeless. Why? Because they don't feel that they could ever attain such a life. They don't, they don't feel that they could ever have that picture-perfect life like Christians have. Listen, folks, we're not doing anyone any favors by pretending to be someone that we're not. We're not doing anyone any favors by um, pretending to be someone that we're not, especially those that do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. First of all, you're not doing yourself any favors, okay, by pretending to be someone that you're not. Second, you're not doing those 
that are far from God any favors by pretending that you are not struggling daily. 1 John 1.8 says this, If we claim that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Pretty simple, right? But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. You can't get any more clear than that. If you claim you do not struggle, you have no sins, you are calling God a liar. Let's don't hide behind our mask. We live real at this church. We all struggle with something. At this church, we've decided that one of our values is that we're not going to hide behind our masks and act like we don't sin. We value authenticity and realness that leads to transformation. Not authenticity and realness that leads to celebrating sin. Absolutely not. Let me say that clearer. We don't celebrate sin in this church. But we do acknowledge sin. We do acknowledge struggle. We do acknowledge that we don't have it all together. Because when you acknowledge the reality of the truth, it leads to transformation. That's why. Once we're real with ourselves, once we admit that we're struggling in our marriages, that we're struggling with our kids or we're raising our kids, we're struggling with alcohol addiction, we're struggling with a drug addiction, we're struggling with a pornography addiction, we're struggling with pride and envy. When we admit that we struggle with this, these things, two things happen. First, when we get real with ourselves, it allows God to begin to transform us into his image. That only happens when you start becoming real with yourself. Just like he did in this warehouse. Just like he did in this dirty, smelly, stinky, run-down warehouse. Useless space. It was available for two years. No one was to, had any activity. It was, so we could say it was dead for two years before we came along and repurposed it. It's not perfect. We still have issues. We just had to clear up some electrical issues in the kitchen yesterday. We just, we, we've, you know, you look around, if you turn the real, this is why we don't turn the lights on in here. You don't want to see the carpet, okay? It <laughs> was a joke. I'm so happy you laughed. Um, but anyway, so it's not perfect. But every single week, people come in and meet Jesus. Right? That's what he wants to do in our lives. We're not perfect, but every single day, God wants to use us for his purposes to show other people what he can do in their lives, just like he did in this warehouse. That's the first thing. The second thing is that when we're honest about our sins and our struggles, then we can connect and engage with others. Only at that time, we can connect and engage with others when we realize that we aren't alone in our struggles. I guarantee that whatever you're dealing with in your life right now, whatever sin struggle that you're dealing with, or just maybe it's not sin necessarily. Maybe it's just a hard time. Maybe you're just dealing with something in your life. Whatever you're dealing with, I guarantee someone else in this room is either going through it now or has been through it before. But if you're not honest about it, you're never going to know that. And you're never going to be able to connect with other people that can transform and help you. That's what it's about. That's why we live real. That's why we're honest about who we are. So that God can transform us. We live real in this church because we believe that it will help us reach more people and connect with more people that are far from Christ and lead them into transforming relationships with Jesus Christ. Simple. Live real. Fourth thing is this. In this church, and I, I hope this goes without saying, I, if, if there's one thing in the past eight years that we are known for, it's that we think 
a legacy. Even if we haven't verbalized it that way in the past, in this church, we think legacy. We value legacy. We live our faith out loud to make an impact on generations to come. When we planted this church eight years ago, one thing that was very clear to us, we wanted to invest as much time, attention, and resources into our family ministry. That's students and kids. From day one, we've always had a mindset of take care of our next generation. Value. Think legacy. We've worked really hard to equip and maintain these ministries over the years. In each one of the ministries that we have going on, in each phase of our kids' lives, we're teaching them three core values. If you haven't heard this before, man, this is going to be a trip for you, okay? We're teaching these kids from birth to graduation three core values in each of the phases of their lives. For our preschoolers, we teach them God made me, God loves me, and God wants to be my friend forever. Three values that can relate to the phase that they're going through in their lives, from birth all the way through preschool. We teach our elementary students, I need to make wise, a wise choice. We teach them, I can trust God no matter what. And then we teach them that I should treat others the way that I want to be treated. Because in this phase of their lives, those are three core truths that can help them in this particular phase. And before our high schoolers graduate, before they walk across that stage to graduate high school, we want them to experience a love for God that will inspire a deeper faith, a love for themselves that will lead to wiser choices, and a love for others that will grow stronger relationships with their peers, adults, and the world around them. That's what we want. Everything that we do from birth to graduation for each student in this church is laser focused on helping each student graduate high school on mission with a heart that belongs, a mind that responds, and a life that reflects Jesus. Everything. There was a clap there. Let's, yeah, praise God. That's the legacy this church wants to leave in the lives of students and kids and babies, all of them. In the entire family. Did you know this? Here's why. Here's the why. Check this out. Statistics show that 80, nearly 80% of students walk away from their faith after graduation day. 80% of students walk away from their faith after graduation. If that doesn't get you fired up to be a part of this ministry that thinks legacy in this church, I don't know what will. But did you know that that statistic drops by half if that student has, a, has at least one more meaningful relationship with another adult in the church? Half. That's only 40%. That's why we do what we do. That's why we preach and teach weekly, consistent leader in the life of a child. We're not thinking about what's best for me today because I just don't want to work today. I just want to sit and be fed. We're thinking about, hey, this child is going to grow up. He's going to graduate or she's going to graduate one day. And 80% has an 80% chance of walking away from their faith. We're not going to accept that. We will not accept that at this church. We think legacy because we want to drop that statistic and make sure that kids that graduate from this church 
from this area, from the schools in this area, don't walk away from their faith. We think legacy. The next thing about that is, that's how our church feels. I'm asking you, how do you feel about your personal legacy? Is the legacy that you're leaving a spiritual legacy that will influence the life of, of, of people to come? Is it a legacy of faith and love? Or one of the most important passages in Scripture about legacy is found in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter five. I'm sorry, chapter six, verse five. It says this: it "says You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today." And I'm asking you today: What is the legacy that you are passing on? It doesn't matter if you're a parent in the room today. It doesn't matter if you're a grandparent. It doesn't matter if you're single. It doesn't matter if you, you know, don't have family uh, in your life right now. It doesn't matter where you're at in this spectrum. We all have an opportunity to leave a legacy behind. All of us. We will, people will remember us by something. The question is, are they going to remember you as a worrier? Man, that, that guy, he was a worrier. That's, that's really what I remember the most about him. He worried about everything. Will they remember you as a workaholic? I didn't really see them a lot because they were working all the time. Man, they really supported their family. They really gave them everything they needed, you know, in regards to material things, but we didn't really see them a lot. Will they remember you as a gossiper? You can't really get around that person without hearing about 13 other people. Will they remember you as a gossiper? Will people say, that guy... Or that woman had tremendous faith. There was a lot going on in their lives. They had a lot of misfortune. They had a lot of terrible things that happened. But they never, ever lost faith. What will people say about you? If you're a part of this church, that question matters to you. Because we think legacy in this church. After Moses instructed the adults to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, strength, he goes on and he reminds them that it's not enough to just learn for yourself and grow personally. Okay, this is huge. It's not enough just to learn for yourself and grow personally. The entire reason we grow is so that the next generation will grow too. The entire reason that God teaches us things is so that we can teach others. Does that make sense? God teaches us something in our lives, not just so that we can say, wow, that's awesome. I'm going to take that knowledge of that information to my grave. No one's ever going to know about it. Thank you, Lord, for giving me that blessing. No, he entrusted you with that blessing and that miracle and that teaching so that you could teach others. The entire reason we grow is so that the next generation will grow too. Moses instructs the adults to follow the commandments of the Lord and to teach the next generation the same. He goes on to say, Repeat them, talking about the instructions. And in this particular moment, Moses was talking about the Ten Commandments. He said, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house or, or on your glass. I'm sorry, your gates. In this church, we think legacy. As you can see, we're taking a few weeks off from our kids' ministry. I, didn't really, I said this morning I didn't really appreciate the, the impact the kids' ministry had on the first service because we only do kids' ministry in the second service. But this morning we're a little bit sparse because kids' ministry is not happening during the second service. But as you can see, 
We're taking a few weeks off from kids ministry so that we can help our team prepare better for the, for the next semester. And our team has worked hard. Our kids team has worked really, really hard through the pandemic. And once we came back in January, our team has been working overtime with the skeleton crew. For the next two weeks while we're worshiping in here, our kids team are going to be meeting and strategizing and preparing themselves to come back and kick back off on September the 5th, first Sunday in September. In the meantime, if you're looking for a place to serve, we have multiple opportunities on our kids team. Lots of opportunities to invest your time, your abilities into our kids in this church and our students. One of our kids' team are going to be standing out front behind the counter and, and after service. And if you, want to, if you want to find out about the opportunities that we have here, stop by. Talk to one of our kids' team members. Come and talk to me. I'd love to talk to you more about it. You want to know why we think legacy at this church? It's because we believe that it will help us reach and connect with more people and lead them into transforming relationships with Jesus Christ. We believe that strongly. The fifth and final value is that we celebrate stories. In this church, we celebrate stories. We celebrate God's big story and every other story that he's writing. And I love to say this, this quote, if there's still breath in your lungs, God is still writing your story. If you have breath in your lungs today, your story is not over. God's big story is all through the Bible. And man, what a beautiful story it is. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of, of God working in and through his people and ultimately through his son, Jesus Christ, to communicate his amazing message of love, hope, peace, and a new life. It's the great big story. It's the greatest story that's ever been told. It's the story of a loving father that desperately wants to have a relationship with his children, and his children are you and me. It's that beautiful story all throughout Scripture. God's great big story, the gospel, is the greatest story ever told. And we always want to celebrate the great big story. We also want to celebrate your story. In, in, a, in a month or so, we're going to have a, a series about stories. And I'm going to be coming around asking many of you that, that I know some of your story to come up on up stage with me, sit down, and let's just... Share what God has done in your life. You have a miracle? Do you have something that you know God transformed you from something to something else? I want to hear about it. I want to know about those things because we want to celebrate them. And I'm here to tell you today, we haven't done the best job in celebrating stories in the past. But that's something that we knew 100% we want and need to do in order for us to behave and reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be a place and a people that seeks, uh, seeks out God's good story of redemption and looks for his ongoing story still that he's still writing in each of us. I think about the parent. I think about the parent who prays out loud with this spouse or, or her spouse for the very first time. That story is worth celebrating. I think about the life, someone turning their life over from addiction and giving it to the Lord. That's a story that we should celebrate. I think of someone rising for the very first time early in the morning so that they can have time alone with the Lord. That's a story worth celebrating. When we come together in this place and churches all around the world come together, our mindset should be to celebrate. Celebrate the truth that we have a God that loves us so much 
that he made a way for us to be reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. So when we gather every Sunday, we are creating a celebration of praise and worship and adoration every single week. When we celebrate stories, it doesn't mean that we only celebrate the Lord in good times, right? It doesn't mean that we only celebrate God when life is going great. In fact, one of the things that sets a follower of Jesus apart is our ability to have joy in the midst of chaos. Let me say that again. One of the things that should set us apart if we call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ is our ability to have joy in the midst of chaos. Or have joy in the midst of a socially and politically charged world. To celebrate story is to con- it's a conscious effort to rise above the fray and to be light in the world and to live our faith out loud and exemplify the way that Jesus treated people, the way that Jesus loved people, the way that Jesus accepted people, and the way that ultimately Jesus transformed people. Listen to what Jesus prayed for you and for me. He said this in John chapter 17, verse 20. He said, I am praying, and he was talking to God at the time. He was talking to his heavenly father. He said, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's you and me, okay? Everyone who would ever believe in me through their message, that includes you and me. And here's what he's praying. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus prayed that prayer for you. And he prayed that prayer for me. Jesus prayed that we would leave a legacy like he did. A legacy of faith and celebration that will influence and impact the people around us and generations on top of generations to come to radically love God, to love themselves, and to love others. We need to celebrate those things. It's not only about how we act while we're in church. It's not only how we act while we're in this building. But if you call this church home, this is how you should strive to behave when you're out in public. You know, Brendan Brendan Manning, and someone, you know, I've heard this quote pretty much all my adult life. Brendan Manning once said that the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is, guess what? Christians. The greatest single cause for atheism in the world today is Christians. Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. How can we say that we are a Christian and not truly follow Christ? They're watching us. Our aunts, our uncles, our cousins... The lady at Billy Ray's that's going to serve you today. The guy at Wendy's that's taking your order. The lady at Walmart. Your father, your mother, your kids. They're watching us. The 31,500 people in Floyd County that don't know Jesus, you better believe they're watching our lives. How we act matters now more than it ever has before. We'll ask James and, and Lindsay to come back forward. Um, I want to share something with you. I've been talking about this for three weeks now. I've been telling you that over the past few weeks that in the fall of 2020, God led our leadership team. And that's all leaders. That's 
you know, we didn't call them this at that time, but it was, it was our executive team, our advisory board, and our ministry team, all leadership of this church, called us together to take us on a journey. The pandemic was in full swing. This is fall of 2020. But a vaccine was on the horizon, so, so there was some thought of maybe there's some relief coming. So much had changed on the way that we were communicating the message of Jesus due to social distancing and watching our services online and, and all that. I did find out, by the way, two Easter's ago, someone gave their heart to the Lord during one of our services online and didn't even tell us about it. But she's been faithfully attending churches since. So excited because I just love hearing those little nuggets of how God has used our online services for people. But we knew that things were changing. We knew that the way we communicated the gospel changed. And let me say this out loud. The gospel never changes, but the way we communicate it does. And we have to, we have to understand that in order to be relevant, in order to reach people for Christ in today's age and time. But how are we doing at reaching people for God. And that was our question. That was the driving force behind the meetings that we had, the time that we came together. There are nearly 31,500 people in Floyd County that likely don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And are we doing a good job of reaching them? That's the question. And that was the question that was burning inside of us in that moment. Are we doing a good job in reaching them? As our team considered these questions, God began to answer these questions very clearly for us. He refocused our efforts and gave us a purpose. You know, we've been doing a lot of things over the past eight years. But God brought us together and said, okay, here's the thing that I need you to know. You exist so that more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. That's what I need from you, church. I'm not calling this church over here on the highway to that. I'm not calling this church on the, at the end of Water Gap to that. I'm not calling that church on down the road to that. I'm calling you to helping more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. This is your purpose. This is what I've called you to do. And he showed us the values and the behaviors. He said, here's what you should do. In order to reach that, here are the values that you should have. Because values lead us to behaviors which lead us to our idea of success. He said, you need to think legacy. That's going to help you reach more people for Christ. You need to love people differently. That's going to help you reach more people for transforming relationships through Christ. He said, you need to grow. We grow at this church so that we can help more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. He said, you need to live real. Don't pretend to be someone that you're not. Because if you are, if you're not living real, you're not going to help more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. He said, then you need to celebrate. You need to celebrate all this. Everything I've shown you. And the great big story of the gospel of Jesus. Celebrate it. Don't ever let it go from your minds. Celebrate it. And guess what? God's still writing that story in this church. He's still writing our story in this church. One of the scriptures, and I said this the first week, but I have to, re, I have to say it again today. One of the scriptures that he used to reveal all this to us. One of the scriptures he used was Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19. He said, he said forget all that. Forget all those things. 
It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do for you. He said, for I'm about to do something new. I'm about to do something new. And he said, see, I've already started it. I've already begun. Don't you see? Guys, we were looking around thinking, wow, God is really doing something new inside of us. And in us and through us. He said, I will make a pathway in the wilderness. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. Your purpose is you exist so that more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. Everything we do, every decision that we make, every program that we create, every event that we put on in this church, every decision, it's all about connecting more people to transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. It's not about me. As your pastor, it's not about me. If you serve in this church, it's not about you. It's about reaching more people so that they can experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. And so everything was on the table in that moment when the Lord said this to us, showed us these things. Everything was on the table. Everything was on the table. Take it all away, Lord. Anything that doesn't help us reach more people so that they can experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ is gone. God has called us and give us clarity and a new purpose. He's called us to evaluate the way that the 90% see us in the community. And I want you to know today, here's a little secret. Our leadership is united in the fact that we believe that the name of this church doesn't represent us well. So guess what? We're changing it. You remember what I said? Every decision, everything we do, every decision allows us to reach more people so that they can experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. I'm going to share more about that next week, so you've got to hold on. You don't want to miss next week. Remember my story in the first week about the Apple hiring process. You know, Apple, they go and look for the most, the most educated people, not just the most educated, but the ones that have the most passion, the ones that, that have the most drive, the ones that have the most desire, not people that just want money and the best salary or the nicest work environments, although they have all those things. But they go and they seek out those that have a passion to change the world. Our world needs changing. Our community needs changing. Our region needs to be transformed. People need hope. They need freedom. And they need love. Most of all, they need transforming relationships. The question I have for you today is, are you ready to change the world? Will you stand and pray with me? Father God, Our lives are just vessels to be used by you, God. It's not about us. It's not about what we want. It's not about what we think. It's all about you, God. I don't need comfort in this world. I don't need fame in this world. I don't need to be loved in this world. I need 
to represent you well. This church needs to represent you well. And so God, whatever it is, whatever it is that you want us to do, God, we are declaring today, we will do. We will do, God. Father, if there's anyone in this room or anyone watching online today that doesn't be as their Savior, I pray that today, today, God, today is the day that you call out to them and they give their lives over to you. It's our prayer today, God. If there's anyone here today that doesn't know the Lord, I'll be sitting on the front row. I would love to pray with you today as we sing.